Hi guys, I'm back with another um, podcast with um, our special guest today is Tyler Sarfett. You want to introduce yourself, Tyler? What's going on, everyone? Um, I'm Tyler Sarfett. I am 21 from Mays Landing, New Jersey. And if you don't know where that is, it's right outside Atlantic City. And I, uh, I write original music. I post covers on YouTube, the whole shebang, playing live. And yeah, hopefully uh, you get to know me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, my first question for you, um, some of this already now since we've been talking before, Mm -hmm. um, but, um, I want to get into, um, one question and then get into one of the regular things that we do called Daily Wavelengths, where it's like we go into, um, um, what we've been listening to, either throwbacks or, like, recently released music. Sweet. So, So, um, my first question for you, um... So, what are your influences? My influences range everywhere from, um, like, old 2000s rock, like, kind of the punk emo stuff, all the way to Prince and uh, Hall & Oates, that sort of pop vibe and funkiness I love. And so, I just sort of like to, and Wonder Public, I really like um, just the combination of acoustic real instruments with synths and I just think it's the best of both worlds and I love music like that okay so and I, res- I like that too I respect that yeah so I'm um, getting on to like stuff that you've been listening to recently mm-hmm. is that um since those are like pretty much the things that you yeah are to what artists are you listening to right now right so right now um I can even check my phone like when I walked in here I was listening to Sabrina Claudia and she's literally the love of my life. And um, I just love, like, that R&B sort of vibe. Uh, what else? I have The Weeknd's new stuff on here. I have a band called Fits in the Tantrums. Are you familiar with them? No. They're sort of funky. It's a guy and a girl, sort of like Motown-esque, and, but still modern. And I really like that, like I was saying in the beginning. Um there's a guy named Bozzy, if that's how you say it. I just, whatever's new, I'm sort of just checking it out, seeing what people are coming up with mm-hmm. and uh, what new sounds people are using and the direction of music and just sort of trying to stay up to date on all of that. Yeah. I fall short sometimes. I, yeah. I usually stay in like a certain zone. Like, I feel like, that. And I just stay there for like at least a week unless like something new comes out mm-hmm. that I know is coming out. Then I yeah. like go over there. Um, specifically for um, the weekend's new album, yeah, or EP. People say it's considered an EP since right, it's like right, five. right. How many songs? Like six. Songs? I think it's like six, six songs. So it's like one song before what an EP would mm-hmm. really be. Let me see. Yep, it's six, six songs. Yeah, because it, if it's because the balance for the business aspect of it is. If it's five songs or less, it's an EP. Mm-hmm. But if it's like six songs or above, it's considered like an album. Which yeah. Is so, how do you how are you feeling about it? Because I've heard that some yeah. songs are like that directly um, citing. Well, like he doesn't directly say it, but mm-hmm. you can imply that he's talking about his relationship with Selena. Right, Gomez, with Selena Gomez, and then the aspect of Justin Bieber and all that. Mm-hmm. So, I haven't looked into it too much. I did listen to it. Uh, all the way through a couple of times and then I really have been jamming his last song Privilege it's just I love the vibe of it just how his vocals are sort of haunting like all throughout the album you know Mm -hmm. 
And his lyrics, I think the one that's going viral is, of two red pills to take the blues away. No and so it's like, his lyrics are just so good. But um, I'm not too hip to to the drama behind it, but I do know that I love it. It's such a new, it's such a new sound from his old album, Starboy. Yeah. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is really cool. But it kind of, it's kind of like he's going back to his roots almost. Though, too. Yeah, people have been singing it too. Singing it. It's like classic weekend. Yeah, it is. It's not as poppy as it used as like Starboy pretty much was. Mm-hmm. He said Starboy was pretty much a more pop version of himself. Definitely. Of the more organic, like lyrics, yeah. but I haven't got a chance to listen to it. Yeah, it's um, good. Worth a listen. I need to check it out. Um, what I've been listening to daily, um, so I'm not sure if you're familiar with um, Tink. Tink? No. Um, she's a um, she's a she's an independent artist. Um, she's um, been um, co-signed by Timberland. Okay. Um, but. Um, she's working with him, and she just recently um, released an EP called Pain and Pleasure, mm-hmm. um, which is probably um, she has mix she has mixtapes on um, SoundCloud and um, Dat Piff that I've okay. recently listened to. Well, we've been listening to for years, so she's been out for years. Um, but what kind week, of genre? Um, she's um, I would say more R and B stuff, like mm-hmm. R and B hip hop. Um, she started off. Um, Doing both, um, being a rapping and singing at the same time. Yeah. At the same time, um, so she was like during that wave, like during like I think she came out. Getting my dates mixed up, but around the time when Drake came out, probably like a few or a few years after he came out, mm-hmm. she was like doing mixtapes and oh, stuff wow. like that. So I'll definitely been, check her out. So she's been out for a long time, but it's more like R and B stuff. Um. But my favorite songs have to be um, a song called "Get You Home." Okay. It's kind of it's kind of like a sexual song. Mm-hmm. Like it's a good like sexual song, like a vibey like sexual. Yeah. Like has um, like I like the synths in the background, um, mm-hmm. and then her like she has a certain um, way of singing that's very interesting. Um, she has like a I'm I'm trying to think of who I can compare it to. What was that song we were just talking about? Get You Home. Get You Home. Get You Home. I'll start with that. And then another song I really like is um, M.I.A. Mm -hmm. And Faded. So those are my three favorite songs off of this EP. Um, I've also been listening to, um, if my Spotify will work. (laughs) That never works. Um... I'm not sure if you're familiar with this artist either. His name's Eric Ballinger. No. Um, but he started off as a um, songwriter. He's written songs with Chris Brown, like Fine Time, oh, wow. that single. Um, he's written with like a lot of big names in the yeah. music industry. Um, then he recently um, released he released a single with um, Tink as well. She's on this um, with him. And Mila J, who's um, Janae Aiko's sister. Really? So... Mila J is another one of my favorite artists as well. Um, and she has some projects called um, February um, that was an EP of hers as well that I think you should check out. If you're, okay. Like, into, like, it's more of, like, a harder R&B. She's not, it doesn't sound anything like her sister. What's her name? Mila J. Mila J. Yeah, I'm really into R&B, so. And she's been in, and she's been in um, the game for probably, I think, five years now. Okay, but she's 
been in the industry for a long time. And she was, as a young kid, she was in the Prince video. Oh, wow. And she was um, dancing in um, Diamonds and Pearls. Oh, really? As a little kid. That's yeah. awesome. So she's been in the industry for a while. Um, and then, of course, her sister's Jenny. Jenny, mm-hmm. I hate going, you know, she has been doing um, with her latest album. Yeah. My favorite is Sativa. That's my favorite off of the album. Yeah, I haven't so given that one a listen. listen. That's a good one to listen to. Also, um, another person I've been listening to, I'm not sure if you um, know him as well, um, but his name is Keenan Lonsdale. Mm-hmm. Um, he's from, most people know him from um, the new movie, um, Love, Simon. Mm-hmm. But um, he's been acting for a while, so he's been on like mostly Canadian shows, okay. like a show called Dance Academy that was out probably like early two thousands and ended probably like early two thousand tens. Uh huh. Um, then he's um, he's actually Wally West on The Flash. Oh really? So he's been working for a long time, but he recently just started releasing music. Um, and what I like about this song is called "Kiss the Boy." Um, he recently came out as bisexual. Mm-hmm. So, um, this is pretty much like a queer anthem yeah. for the LGBT community and just people, period. Um, so, I really It's like his top song. song. Yeah, it's like his top song right now. Um, so, that's a good song to listen to. I think anybody can listen to and relate to it. Just, yeah. It's just pretty much just a love song, just about acceptance. Right. Accepting yourself and accepting love. So, I respect that. And I think... Oh, wait, hold on. Before I forget. I got a lot of stuff. <laughs> I had my notes and I forgot them at home. Yeah, so, it's all good. Okay. <clears throat> what the hell? Okay, so um, another thing that I think... You should, are you um familiar with Tony Braxton? Mm-hmm. So she's recently released um, an album called Sex, Sex and Cigarette. and Cigarettes. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I wanted to give that a listen. So, from what I've heard, I haven't heard the full album yet, which because I've been so busy. Um, but the singles that she released are um, Deadwood and Sex and um, yeah, Deadwood and Long as I Live. Okay. So those songs I'm mostly familiar with, and I really like those songs. It's I see very, a collaboration with Colby Calais. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. When I saw that, I was interested in that too. I didn't get a chance to listen to that, but um, the songs I have listened to um, have been the first four songs, which is Deadwood, Sex and Cigarettes, Long as I Live, and Foh. Mm-hmm. Foh is kind of like an interlude. Okay. In a way, it's like I like this. Sometimes this is my favorite on like people's albums. Yeah, interludes, interludes half most of the time are usually my favorite. Yeah, I feel like they just something about the aspect of it mm-hmm. throughout the album makes it fit different. better. Um, but um, pretty much my aspect, my favorite songs would probably have to be "Long as I Live in Deadwood." Mm-hmm. Even though there's the singles, usually I don't. I usually like the rest of the album before yeah, I like too. the singles I was listening to Demi Lovato's new album actually I haven't listened to this, I haven't been listening to Demi Lovato like I should yeah her new album is really good it's pretty soulful actually like she's got those vocals that I didn't know she had it in it <laughs> like it was nuts so definitely worth a what's listen what's the name of the album? Um, I'm not sure I just it's the newest one it right? was the newest one there's tons of 
tons of good songs. The lyrics are good. The beats are good. Her vocals are amazing. Definitely check that out. I think I'm done. Well, at least for the stuff I've been listening to recently. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have any, like, throwbacks um, that you've been listening to? I know you're influenced by Prince and stuff like that. Yeah, I do like Prince. I've been, um... Oh, real quick. Do you know Daniel Caesar? Do I live for him? Yeah, I've been listening to him. I'm just going back in my... There's Jasmine Sullivan... You know Jasmine Sullivan? You already okay, know. Tyler, <laughs> I didn't know you knew Jasmine yeah, Sullivan. Yeah, I'm really into that that soulful R&B okay. music. What else I got? Um, do you okay. know Alan Stone? Alan Stone. Give me a song. He's there's a song that. called Unaware. Um, just by the title, I think I would like it. But. You would really like it. I oh man, I've been jamming him like crazy. Um, I mean, those those alone, yeah. between Jasmine Sullivan, Daniel problem. Caesar, and Alan Stone, like, you can listen to that for a month. Okay. Um, did you hear, um, there's a song with Jasmine Sullivan and this girl named Mia. Mm-mm. Did you hear this song? It's no. It's called, um, oh my god, I can't believe that I forgot the damn song. But, um, it's, her, the artist's name is, um, N-I-I-A. Okay. pronounced Naya, I think. That's how it's pronounced. But it's a song with her and Jasmine Sullivan. And just the harmonies alone will just wreck your life. Wow. Especially with, like, um, Jasmine's lower register. Mm-hmm. Like, that's where she lives. Like, that's probably my favorite part of her voice. Um, nah, and, just yeah. a, and just a tune. Um, let me see. Yeah, go for it. Um, two eyes. Oh. I think it should come up. Yeah, I think. Cool. Yeah. So you have Apple Music, I'm guessing, right? Yeah, Apple Music is... Um, so... I'll be able to find it after that. So Jasmine Sullivan, it's a song. It's on... Whatever her recent album is, it's on that one, I believe. Okay. So that should help. Cool, I'll check that out. Um, so... Do you have any throwbacks you've been listening to? Throwbacks? Eh. Haven't been listening to much. Haven't been listening to many throwbacks recently. Let me see. Uh, Oh, yeah, I do. R. Kelly, Bump and Grind. I was jamming that. Good old classic. Yep. I mean, how can you not? Yeah, that's a good classic one. Every once in a while. (laughs) <laughs> so why you have to go back to that stuff? This stuff is so funny. Sometimes, man. Anything else? You no, that's to? that's pretty much it. Out of uh, my most recent scrolling for a while. Wow. Yeah. What about you? Um, I've been lax on this as well. Usually, I'm pretty much straight into throwbacks but since mm-hmm. there's so much music that's recently come out by so much music that are people that I actually listen to there's I a, pretty much just listen to all their um, music and trying to catch up there mm-hmm. I was jamming uh, Through the Fire Shaka Khan oh that's my you know oh my god that's my song I love Shaka Khan yeah you know the song Stay uh, maybe if I heard her it. Rufus, her and Rufus no oh my god that song is like life for me um, Erica Badu did um, a tribute to her, 
in like um probably early 2010s, probably 2013. Okay. She performed and Fantasia did a tribute to her as well. Wow. So you know that was great. Yeah. Fantasia just blows. Um so yeah, I've, I've always loved Shaka Khan. She's one of my favorites. Um so yeah, I haven't been listening to as much throwbacks as I wanted to. Mm-mm. I've i been so trying to catch up to everything. Yeah, there's a lot that's happening. That's that's a lot of good music coming out. At least from the people, week. at least from the people that I listen to. Yeah, all good stuff that I hear. And then all this new stuff I have to check out. It's yeah. like you know, mm-hmm. there's yeah. always new music that you can check out just so by much. asking your friends. Right. Yeah. And then I didn't know that she was actually in the army. Yeah, so that's, I love it. That's interesting because I didn't know that you were so into um, R&B like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting on to that. So what about? I know you talked about the acoustic and the whole synthesis yeah. and all of that coming together and making like a beautiful marriage mm-hmm. of music. So what about R and B? Is yeah. So what draws you to R and B? So I like R and B. Because, well, I started off with gospel music, and I really like gospel music for, I think, the musicians are always ridiculous, the the arrangements are great, the, the melodies are so catchy, and the runs are so hard, you know, and okay. it's, I, I just love that aspect of it, and I feel like R&B and soul music sort of capture some of those aspects, yeah, very and so I've just naturally sort of moved my way over to that vibe and there's just there's just something about R&B that catches a particular emotion that I think other music like rock and you know heavy metal like that mm-hmm. stuff can't capture it you know if you listen to for example since we were just talking about it Jasmine Sullivan or you know you hear it go high or you hear it go low you just feel it and just feel it in her voice and with the music it's just something special so I've always been attracted to R&B for, for those reasons, whether it's just smooth and it's nice. Yeah. Know? I'm the same way. Like, I'm like it's I'm pretty much an R&B head first, mm-hmm. and then hip-hop is naturally, like, a transition yeah. for me because hip, R&B and hip-hop have been so, like, yeah. in with each other since, like, the, especially with the changeover and, like, the 90s mm-hmm. where it was like definitely like a collaboration between R&B artists and hip hop yeah. and that's what helped hip hop get um, more popularized in my opinion right um, so I've always been into that like um, 112 um, Total um, then some recent stuff like when Diddy um, did like the Diddy Dirty Money mm-hmm. like um, yeah. with like Dawn Richard from Danity Kane and like yeah. Kalina um, it was like a, it was like it was very futuristic, and I don't feel like people actually gave it a chance. Yeah, I even like the classic. Like, do you listen to Boys to Men? Boys to Men, Life. Listen to New Troop. Edition, New Edition, Troop. True um, man. All the old. I was R&B, jamming Troop the other day. All the old R&B groups <laughs> are like my life. They're just great. Yeah, it's just it's just you can just go back and then, and I feel. I hate to say this, but I feel like we're missing some of that. Um, I wouldn't say, because there's still great artists out. 
Yeah. But I feel like some of the emotion is gone. Because I feel like mm. we try... It's coming back slowly. Yeah, it is. But um, I think it's more R&B artists are trying to sound a little bit more like rappers mm. instead of being R&B artists. Yeah. So that's kind of taking out the... If anything, the, the music is a lot like that. You know, yeah. the music's more moving towards a hip hop mm-hmm. sort of vibe. It's losing less of the. It's losing less of the. It's, like it's the losing character. less of the, It's losing a lot of the melody too. Mm. I think it's more beat driven now. Yeah, exactly. Instead of the melodies and like, because you listen, you go back to even like Motown stuff. Yeah. Like. The melody is what got you. It wasn't yeah. necessarily the beat of it, or like the yeah. maybe the drum beat that was going in the background. It's pretty much the melody, and just the different like tones. Yeah, of whoever was singing it, like, right? Like Smokey Robinson, like mm-hmm. his older stuff. Then you go to Prince, even though it's more, he was still influenced by R and B. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, um, you can hear those influences on his voice in certain songs. And then you go to the rockers, more rockish songs. Mm-hmm. There's still a lot of that as well. Yeah. Um, but I think we're still getting to that. Then we have people like Daniel Caesar mm-hmm. who's coming out. Then you have people like Anderson Pac. Yeah. Not sure. Are you familiar with yeah. that? Yeah. Did you um, listen to his new song yet? I didn't get a chance to. That one's good. One. Oh, and speaking of Sabrina Claudia, she oh has a gosh. song with Khalid. Yeah, so, just came out uh, two days ago. Did you get a chance to listen to it? Yes, that I did. How is it? It's good. Because I feel like I'm going to go into the coma. There's not one thing that Sabrina Claudio has put out that I haven't liked. Okay, so... Because I love Khalid, and then I love her. Mm -hmm. Like, my favorite song, I haven't listened to, like, all of the recent project. But when I first heard... The first song I think I heard from her was called Unravel Me. Yeah. And just the... Just the atmospheric like aspect of the song, yeah, and just the um, I don't know what she did. Um, she was like, oh, rebel, maybe, maybe, maybe. yeah, it's like a tremolo, that, like effect. the tremolo effect. Whatever she did, that was my favorite part of that song. Like it just kept going on. It's and like I, a, I just, an instrument. Yeah, I just kept rewinding it back and forth, yeah. like between that for like ever. And was like, what is she doing? The new song this? is sort of like. Uh, it's it's it really is a combination of Sabrina Claudio's music and Khalid's sort of uh, you know more pop flair mm-hmm. and just kind of married together into one song. It, it's mm-hmm. so you know when you know if you look at Zed and some of the people he collabs with, yes. it sounds like a Zed song. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is very much a, like a real mix, mm-hmm. and it's really cool. So I'm sure you'll like That's it. Good. Um, speaking of Khalid, um, did you hear the recent song with um, him and Normani from Fifth Harmony? No. Um, Love Lies. It's off of the um, Love Simon soundtrack. Actually, wait, I did. I did. I lied. I have heard that. Yes, that's another good collaboration. I feel like they just married each other. Yeah, they did very well. And then um, the video. I don't know if you saw the video. I did not the see video. the video. Oh, the video. I'm ready for that video. <laughs> it's, just, it's just everything that I need. Like, um, well. Like, I did a reaction video on my YouTube channel. Oh, really? Yes. So, so you do YouTube, too? Yeah, so I do YouTube now. Oh, awesome. So, well, I've been doing it for a while. So, I've been posting this on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Speaker, which is, like, <laughs> cool. my thing. So, I've been doing, like, reaction videos probably for 
about three and a half months now. Okay. So pretty much being so those reaction videos. I always wondered because I watch I watch them sometimes, and it's so do you you see something that comes out right, mm -hmm. and then do you just not listen to it until you have a camera in front of you? It's it's very hard. Yeah. So my and in some songs because of copyright I can't do. Right. Like and sometimes I record videos and then it ends up being like blocked. Mm -hmm. Like the um. Um, All the Stars with Kendrick Lamar and SZA. Like, I wanted to do this video. I loved the video when I was watching it. And then I got to uploading it. And then it was like, it's blocked yep. all around over the place. And then that got blocked. Then SZA's new song for Broken Clocks. I did a video for that. But then that got blocked. So yeah. it's like, you have to try and figure... And then you see, it's annoying because you look at other people's reaction channels. Yeah. And they actually had those videos up. Right. And it still works. And I'm just like, like why is my why. videos not doing this? And I'm like, it is a new channel, so it makes sense. Well, I got banned have... from Facebook for life because I was posting um, cover videos on on Facebook, and it got taken down a number of times, and then I got banned a couple of times, so that I stopped because I'm like, I'm not trying to get banned for life mm -hmm. um, because they threatened that they would do that. And so then one day I tried logging in, and it's like, you're disabled indefinitely, blah, blah, blah. Uh -huh. I'm like, oh, no. And it was right before my birthday, too. Oh, wow. So then my birthday came. I was like, oh, well, I guess no one knows. So that's all right. So then I appealed it two or three times. And about – I just got it back last week. So it's been four or five months without a Facebook because they, they recently signed something with Universal. And you, you know, know I'm, They have been doing some stuff where it's now that you can – now they're doing stuff where you can actually post covers now. Yeah. But – it just re how long has that been since? Mm, probably within like the last break, month, or, month so, or so, because I appealed it when I found that out. I was like, "Look, everything that you banned me for is perfectly fine now. Can you let me back on?" Yeah. Um, and then I guess I just tried it one day and it worked. I'm like, okay, I'm, okay, I'm good. <laughs> that's very interesting. Yeah. Um, and going on that tip, so um, speaking as an independent artist. What are the challenges of trying to um, gain an audience mm -hmm. um, and then also finding your demographic that you know right. will support you throughout? Yeah. So a couple different ways. I'll start with the um, demographic part. Playing a lot of shows helps in a lot of different environments so you can sort of see which people kind of – come up and talk to you after, or, you know, buy a CD or a t-shirt and uh, just sort of narrowing that down and you sort of have an idea. And also now with like YouTube analytics and Spotify analytics, it's, they sort of have it right in a nice uh, one sheet for you mm -hmm. and you can, you can just check it all out. But uh, so challenges that I would say is number one for sure is how saturated everything is. Yes, you know, there's right so there. much going on at every second of the day, mm -hmm. at every hour. And it's just to, to cut through that is you're just trying to find creative ways. So one, one video that I did was on Black Friday. I went around and I remixed the popular Top 40 songs. And I went to different uh, people waiting in line. And I'm like, name this song. And I had Black Friday themed lyrics. And I was singing to them. And then if they got it three right, I'll give them a gift card to the store, you know. And so um, that video ended up getting around 
60,000 views wow. on Facebook. And so... Did uh, you um, post that on YouTube as well? I did post that on YouTube. That one was didn't it, catch. Was it, ex- was it ex- successful or no? No, not even it close. Not even That's close. interesting how on different platforms it... Yeah, I think it's because with Facebook, you can literally share it to a community of people, but YouTube, there's not really a social platform yeah. yet with it. So, you know, I got a couple hundred shares and it just sort of... You know, sparks. Mm-hmm. So that was cool, but it's just things like that, just trying to find creative ways to cut through all that noise. Like, what's the next thing? Yeah. Um, so just keeping consistent, that's kind of hard. Keeping good content out there, not just mm-hmm. BS. And what else? I think in this day and age, that's really the hardest part for artists is we just want to focus on our music. But there's a whole nother side of it. That's the whole business. Yeah, there's that whole business side that you really need to understand nowadays Mm -hmm. and really take serious for for you to sort of, you know, get on top and and get new fans and uh, establish yourself. So I would say those are some big ones. Um, And speaking on some of the business aspects of Mm -hmm. it, um, I've been recently looking at, this is like a recent article um, I found on Billboard and... It's talking about sound exchange. Yeah. And um, with sound exchanges, it's where um, it's pretty much like a, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a pro. Yeah, it's not a pro. Yeah. And pro is a um, publishing, publishing uh, rights, performing rights, performing rights organization. If I can remember stuff. <laughs> I know all the stuff, but then like when I say it, it's like. Yeah, sometimes oh, it gets jumbled. Yeah, jumbled up in your head. Um, but that's, a, it's a performing rights organization. So it helps um, pay artists for um, their work. So if it's on like television, they give you yeah. um, royalties off that. And if it's, um, if it's like just being streamed, there's a royalty yeah. for that and stuff like that. Um, but in 2017, it talks about this in this article. Sound Exchange saw a dip in royalty distribu- distributions in 2017, citing Pandora um, label deals. Um, so, what's interesting about this is since it's now become more of a streaming service when it comes to music, so it's more about streaming, and streaming is the main basis of. Um, getting music these days, yeah. Like you have Apple Music, yeah, and then Spotify, and mm-hmm. then like if you have Title, you have Title, and that comes out, right? Or like anything that's in like that vein. Um, so it's very interesting. And then so what it says in the, I'm just like gonna gloss over something. Yeah. Of it. Um. So it says, as expected, Sound Exchange's gross distributions in the U.S. fell from. Yeah, fell more than um, two hundred and twenty-five million, or twenty-six point two percent, to um, six hundred fifty-two million from last year's total of eight hundred eighty-four million, due to Pandora, Pandora switching from a compulsory compulsory license to direct deal with labels. Wow. So in that switch, Pandora began paying its label partners directly while still paying artist royalties to Sound Exchange to make distribution to them. And it says, in this announcement, the agency noted that over 50 major and independent labels chose choose um, Sound Exchange to administer the artist royalties. Interesting. So it's interesting that since it's now direct deal with labels, that you can see the difference with how it's yeah. being paid to the artist because before this artists were getting paid mm-hmm. um 
more than they're getting paid now right. of this um, change. Um, if you guys want to check this out, um, it's on billboard.com. Um, it's under the business um, section. Um, it's in beta, so it might um, be slow loading up. Um, but the name of the article is Sound Exchange Saw Dip in Royalty Distributions in um, 2017, um, citing Pandora label deals. So that's another thing. Mm. And speaking of some indie labels, um, it's a thing about Spotify. It's, again, one of these things where people are not getting paid. So it's called, name, the name of the article is Indie Labels Repeat Calls for Fair Share of Spotify Equity Payout. So, again, people are still mad because they're not getting their money. Mm-hmm. So... So it goes on to say, less than a week after Spotify officially filed for a public offering, IndieBody um, Worldwide Independent Network has reiterated its call for a fair share of revenues from any future equity sale. And it says, all three majors have committed to sharing um, Spotify stock proceeds with their artists, as has independent organization Merlin, but WIN, which is the acronym for the network that I just talked about. Um, additionally, once Universal, Warner, and Sony Music to compensate indie labels distributed by them, their corresponding share of any payout received. The independent artist community had expressed growing concern about their share of these revenues following the forthcoming Spotify listing. Um, in response, the Umbrella Organization said it was reaffirming a commitment it made as part of the Fair Digital Deals Decorate declaration a voluntary initiative promoting fair and transparent um, accounting to artists and music companies. So that's been like a recent law that just recently came out in Congress. Mm. Um, are you part of Grammy U? Yeah. So that's one of those laws that have recently been passed over the things. So we still see that it's it's like a growing. Yes, yeah, like surely. It's a lot of growing pains with mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff. And, people still and some of this stuff is so new that yeah, people don't know how to handle it yet. Yeah. Especially in the, especially the amount of even like major artists mm-hmm. transitioning from major to indie. Like you have Frank Ocean who yeah. decided that I'm not going to be on the label no more. Right. And the whole thing with Blonde and how he got sued for like yeah. he was going to get sued for like a bil- billions of dollars for him um, giving away. Um, Endless was was pretty much a visual album, mm-hmm. um, but wasn't it was just exclusive. So if, unless you were like if you weren't like an iTunes or yeah. Apple person, like you really couldn't check it out. Yeah. So they felt like slighted by that. But then when Blonde came out, it was still um, an exclusive, but it was around every. Yeah. What do you think of that album? When it comes, I like the album. It took me a while though, because mm-hmm. I came into Frank Ocean late. Because I'm one of those people I don't like a whole bunch of hype. Yeah. So I like to list. I like to wait for it to die down first, mm-hmm. and then go in. Like sometimes I get into an artist automatically. Yeah. But sometimes I have to slowly get into it. Yeah. Like, so my first introduction to him was Novocaine. Yep. So I heard Novocaine. I was like, okay, he's cool. But um, when Channel Orange first came out, um, it was on my radar. I was still in like my zone. Um, so I came into a little bit late, probably like a year or two, like after he won the Grammy for like mm-hmm. I started listening to him. Um, so Channel Orange, I feel like it had, it was very married to like his mixtapes. Mm-hmm. So like 
it gave me a lot of vibes from his mixtapes. So I started with the mixtapes first. And then I transitioned to Channel Orange. Right. I, I like to see if people have mixtapes first to see what the transition is between when they come from being independent to a major artist to see how different um, yeah, the, label, that's cool. the label does just to get a feel for the artist truly in their true aspect. So when it comes to Blonde, since it's more, since it is the independent album, um, I feel like it's returning to some of the a lot of, because from, in my opinion, he uses a lot of metaphors with his stuff, which I really appreciate, because I think it's not used enough. Yeah. Um, so, some of it took a while for me to get to, but um, the song with um, Beyonce, um, there's like Pink and Sky, yeah. um, some of the tracks are escaping me, but. A lot of the tracks, some of the tracks got me all the way, and then some of them haven't. But then, like, the recent single, like, Chanel, um, was a good song as well. And then he did another song that really got me as well. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's still like a transitionary period right. for him getting used to being independent, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And then for people that were used to um, Channel Orange, it might have been, like, a, oh, yeah, a, diff a complete different change for, sure. for musically. But to me, it sounds like more of his mixtape stuff. Yeah. So what was your opinion about it? Um, I actually listened to Blonde before I listened to Chanel Orange. And I, um, it was definitely a different take from what, what you would do, I guess, because you went to the mixtapes and did all that. Mm -hmm. And so um, I really enjoyed the first half of the album and then the second half got too out there for me mm -hmm. it was super experimental which I appreciated and it was really cool but I just I mean it's not something I would just throw on mm -hmm. uh, just walk into class or something I really just if, my, if I'm driving I have a long drive I think it's cool to listen to all the way through and sort of appreciate it as one piece mm -hmm. than it is just some individual songs mm -hmm. but uh, I enjoyed it I still listen to I think there's a song called Solo I Solo really like, song, yeah, Solo's one of my favorites on, on that CD, but uh, it was cool. It was a good album. So, speaking as you went backwards, well, mm -hmm. you went, yeah, you yeah. went backwards. So, the transition from Blonde to Channel Orange, what was the... I honestly forget the Channel record, Orange. I, I, I listened to it probably right after Blonde came out. Mm-hmm. And so I don't really I don't really remember enough to to talk about it. I know Thinking About You is on it, mm -hmm, and it's an amazing song. Um, but I don't really remember much else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you weren't familiar with the mixtapes? No. Either, so no, yeah. definitely not. So I feel like I would suggest that you go like um, Dad Piff. Still, mm -hmm. I think still has a lot of his. Um, earlier stuff. Probably tons of plays. Yeah. So, and then there's some other websites that most likely have it. As yeah. Well. So sure I would check it out. It. I'm trying to think of the exact one that she would really get into. I used to move my phone, but I took it off for some reason. I think it was like the one right before Jen Orange came out. I forget what it is. Yeah. Um, but just check it out. I feel like it, the whole tr with Blonde and how it sounds, I feel like it would 
it's a better marriage than cool. Channel Orange is yeah. with it. So I think if you listen to that, it will make more sense. Okay. If you listen to it. Because cool. sometimes albums just, you have, to, yeah. you have to wait on them for some time. So that's always interesting. Um, so another question before we go to break. Um, let's get into, so you were talking about, you recently had a live performance for yep. RMG yep. Um, that I was at and I had to mix. So, yeah. yeah, so I was busy working, trying to listen to everybody right. as well. Um, so how um, did you feel that went? Oh, I loved it. I tried out a new song that uh, I just wrote a couple weeks ago. And everyone, I've got, people came up to me afterwards and they said that was one of their favorites. So I'm excited about that because mm-hmm. if people didn't, then I might need to reevaluate yeah. things. But um, no, it was a lot of fun. I had my piano there and my acoustic there and a crowd full of engaging people, which is nice. You know, it's always good to have people singing stuff back. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when you're performing to them, especially acoustic, yeah. you, know, you try to keep their attention. I found with acoustic shows, the dynamics are the most important. Mm-hmm. Because if you just play acoustic guitar five songs through at the same dynamic, it can get pretty boring no matter who you are. So I think I think that is something that I figured out. Um, but no, I really loved it. I loved the venue. It's in like an mm-hmm. art gallery. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I feel like the sound. Speaking on the sound aspect, since I was mixing it, mm-hmm. I feel like um, the fact that it was in such an enclosed space, and then like all the walls, like the reflections off the yeah. walls, like really made it a great experience as well. Yeah, so it made you could hear a lot of the stuff a lot better. It was nice. Yeah. It wasn't then, too much of anything. It wasn't a lot. Like it was just because just the artwork and just yeah. the state, the like the PA pretty much. And, yeah. yeah. Just us mixing, mixing in the background, trying to make sure everything sounds <laughs> right, and be like, "Oh, we should add reverb here. Right? Oh, should we add delay here? Making sure the levels are right here. And right? Since you transitioned like from playing the keyboard and the uh, acoustic guitar, mm-hmm. it was interesting to see like the trans, like how we would have to mix it. So that yeah. was interesting as well. Um, what was and what's the name of the new song that you performed? Because I like that song as well. That one I haven't really named right now. It's in my phone, it's I love you, dot, 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 I think. Uh, so that's that's sort of the name at the moment, but it's subject to change for okay. sure. As always. Yeah. Um, well, we're just going to take a break, and then I'm going to ask him a few more questions. We'll get into more, like, hot topics in this cool. industry and stuff like that. But let's take a break, and I'll be right back in a few minutes, guys. Bye. All right. Hey, guys, we're back. Um, so, um, going off of that whole thing where you were talking about the song and how you still have a name for it, yeah. being a songwriter, I know is interesting, because yeah. I write songs as well. Um, so, they become, after a while, especially if you take so much time doing it, they become pretty much like your, like, children after a while. Yeah. So, you don't know how to give it away to yeah. your audience, and then, like, if people don't appreciate your work, it's mm-hmm. kind of, um hard to take in like Erica Badu um, said um, I'm an artist I'm sensitive about my shit yeah. so and it's really true especially if you write it yourself for sure and put a whole bunch of um, time and work into it um, so what um, particularly is your process I know people have different processes yeah. for it. like um, for me I haven't done it as well like I've been having like some writer's block mm-hmm. and uh, it's been hard for me to actually get 
some of the inspiration I would usually get, and maybe it's because of stress, because yeah. I'm doing the podcast, then I'm doing YouTube as well, yeah. and then the rest of school stuff, and then trying to find internships and stuff like that, so yeah. it's probably because of that, um, but... What There's we, a song right there. Yeah. <laughs> we can pick out a song on that. Yeah. Um, so, what would your process be? So, my process um, is different for a lot of songs. Let me see. So, the last, that song that we were just talking about, since that's the newest one, I went down to Virginia during spring break, and I wrote a couple of songs, and that was one of them. That one in particular started a year ago. And uh, I was just in my car, and the melody came to me, and I have a long commute from here to school, Mm -hmm. um, or from my house to school, and it's about 45, 50 minutes, so I like to write in between that time. And uh, so a lot of them just start with voice memos, whether it's me beatboxing really terribly into my phone and uh, with a melody or or some lyrics. Other times, um, another one that we wrote in Virginia... Uh, I was with my bassist that plays with me, and he started playing something on guitar. I'm like, just keep playing that, and then I hopped on drums and mm-hmm. started playing, and it just develops like that, or there's a sound on, like some synth sound that just triggers it. I don't know. There's just a lot of uh, things that will start it, and then the process typically is me locking myself away in my basement and just creating uh, a demo. I'll do multiple different versions of a song. Um one song started out as a rock thing, ended up as a pop thing. And so this last year, I put out a record in 2016, uh, December of 2016. And since then, I've just been sort of refining my sound and going more towards what we were talking about earlier with the acoustic and synth instruments. And I really like that sound. Um, so I've just been honing that. And then this summer, I'll be putting out probably three songs right now with that theme mm-hmm. and uh but my songwriting process really is just so so different all the time it's really just sort of catching it when it hits yeah. you know i'm sure you understand yeah, that and inspiration hits just yeah whether there's a piano there a guitar there or just your phone yeah. um just sort of capturing that and developing it it's it's so fun i was telling someone i was talking about them about songs and it's like when you start a song it's almost like the song is already finished. It's just you haven't found it yet. Yeah. You know, it's it's hard to describe. I guess it kind of sounds funny, but it's sort of like opening a 500 piece puzzle with the image there. You just have to sort of piece it together in the right areas, and um, that's what's exciting, though. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's sort of a piece of you and your identity and what you're going through is sort of a snapshot of how you feel at that time and. Uh, I don't know. I, I love that. And the aspect of music sort of supporting the message is awesome. So, yeah, I, I sort of had a bunch of things there, but, yeah. Um, speaking, and then, can you explain, um, what I know, but people listening, um, what a demo actually is? Yeah, so a demo is a rough version of a song. So it could have a guitar that you really hate the tone of, but it's there to keep a placeholder for when you actually sit down to really record it. And uh, that'll be the part that you listen back for. And so a demo is a lot of, you can actually look up on YouTube some people's demos of their songs. Uh, Popular people, the demo of 
uh, Beyonce's Halo is up on YouTube, and you could sort of hear the transformation from the demo version to the final version. So that's really what a demo is, if nobody knew that. Um, then going on to this, I'm speaking of demos. So, um, do you produce your own music, or do you have somebody that you work with to help produce? Yeah, so I do. My first CD, I produced it and played everything and uh, wrote it and recorded it and mixed it. I didn't master it, though. Did <laughs> you get to master it? What did you say? Did you send it to, like, a... I sent it to a guy in New York who has done so many great people's stuff that I was a fan of. And I just think somebody should have a second opinion, and it's not just me listening to the song for a thousand hours, and then, like, this is what I think it should be. It's nice to have that professional, this guy does it for a living, he's going to make it sound good, things that I missed. Mm -hmm. So I think in any aspect of the project... Uh, whether you're writing it or you're mixing it, you should have someone do something else mm-hmm. so you can have a second opinion. And I definitely send it to uh, my brother who manages me, and I send it to my friends, other musicians, play it with my band. And then between all of those opinions, I'll come out with the final song. And so it's not it's not all me, but um, actually with this next CD, I plan on having a live band record it in the studio. So it'll be a lot of collaboration, which I'm excited for. Uh, but I just never had enough time to sort of get that together in high school and college. I was just so busy and I was, I'm a perfectionist. So I just like, all right, I have two hours. Let me go down and just focus and then let me go do my thing. So um, I'm really excited for that. Um. So you just spoke on how your brother's your manager. Mm-hmm. So how did that come along? Yeah, so he was into music. I mean, he's always been into music. That's actually how I got started, but um, we might get into that later. But he did music about 10 years ago and really pursued it. And he got really close, almost signed with a major deal. And then um, it fell through because, you know, the music industry is really close-knit and things happen. Yes, it is. It's more about who you know. Yeah. And and he knew some good people, but there was a falling out. And then he's like, I need to make money. You know, so he he got a job. and um, But he's always loved music. So when I started growing up and he saw my interest and passion for music, he sort of took me under his wing, gave me a lot of great advice to help jumpstart me in the right direction and when I got old enough and he saw that I was passionate enough about it he's like okay maybe we can do something here and we can uh, work together and he constantly pushes me he gives me the brutally honest opinion and truth that nobody else will give nobody does it to you like your family exactly not even me you know there's things that I miss and so um he's just a really great team member to have because I'm very much um, the music end and not so much the business end and his job is a businessman and a salesman and so to have the previous music industry experience with the skill set that he has it's just a good team and especially it's important to trust you know your manager and um, a lot of people a lot of great people in the industry started out with their managers being their own family members you know you look at the Jackson 5 you know and so um I think it's nice to do it with him. It's a good bonding experience, and 
Um, we actually, we definitely have our rough patches here yeah, and there, sure. but disagreements, we bump heads sometimes, but you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're family and, uh, we both want the best for each other. And so it, our decisions sort of stem from that right there. Um, so, uh, so I'm trying to figure out this question. So, um, when it comes to branding and um, giving your like public image out, mm-hmm. um, has your brother helped you in certain ways with yeah. doing that? Like certain ways that would fit your aesthetic, but yeah, where it's more authentic. Hundred percent. So, um, I had this like Ned's declassified coconut head haircut. <laughs> And it was terrible. And I look back at pictures. I'm like, why did people let me do that for so long? Like, why didn't somebody tell me? And so um, he was like, all right, you need a haircut, like, right now. So I I went and I got a haircut. And then I got another haircut and switched it up. I'm so happy for that. But he's I knew nothing about fashion or style or taste. Nothing. And I'm still working on it. But I've definitely come a very, very long way thanks to his help. Mm -hmm. You know, he would sit in the mirror and practice smiling you know like he's very much focused in whatever he tries to do and tries to be perfectionist at even more so than me so it's nice that he's done all the work and can sort of uh, mentor me in that area especially you know as an artist it's important to have an image and the moment you walk out the door your brand is being looked at and scrutinized and so um yeah he's helped me immensely with that with even video angles, you know, mm-hmm. and YouTube covers that I do. He's like, uh, fix your hair first of all, and also bring the camera up because it makes you look, you know, so just different things like that. He's constantly aware and um, analyzing. Um, I know you talked about um, doing covers on YouTube. So um, mm-hmm. what made you um, begin YouTube? Was it more about um, getting a, gaining an audience, starting a brand <sighs> off or something so, like that? Or? It was a number of things. First of all, it was to put out content because from the album cycles, it could be a year to two years between new original music sometimes. And so that whole spot in between, if you're not playing live shows, is is hard to keep music out. So I was like, what better way than YouTube? And so he, he pushed me on that. And so I started doing some YouTube covers and Eventually, they started becoming more elaborate, and uh, I started moving to vlogs and behind-the-scenes stuff. So um, so that was one aspect. Another reason why I started it, started it is because just musically, covering a bunch of different people's songs helps you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first started the covers about a year ago, I was stuck in this one style of singing, and I was in a box, and then after covering um, you know, just the two of us and like some Shawn Mendes songs and going from you know all those different things, the Sam Cooke song, and just studying those songs and the, the musical part. I usually play an instrument or I'll loop things. Just studying that has made me immensely better musician and singer and uh, even production. You know, It's just made me quicker. And also, I think in this day and age, to be on the web is so important. Yes. And uh, what better way than the biggest search engine, you know, YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that and just it's great to 
even practically, if someone's like, send me a video of you, I'm like, all right, here's a YouTube cover, you know, just things like that. So there's there's endless reasons. Um, another thing. So speaking of videos, mm-hmm. so since we both do videos, um, it's always about the angles. It's always about the lighting. It's always mm-hmm. about. Uh, the environment around you as well because that helps with um, people being interested in it. Yeah. So how, and you say your brother helps you with that as well. Mm-hmm. So how do you guys try to frame when you're making these cover videos? Yeah, so I had a big problem with that when I first started out. I didn't even think about framing at all mm-hmm. um, or color combinations with clothes or lighting. I didn't think about any of that. I just thought, all right, I'm going to sing the song and put a camera up. And uh, as I started growing and studying, I realized just what you were saying. There's so much that goes into it that I didn't even think about mm-hmm. artistically, whether it's the the blur in the background or how's it, how it's focused on you. It's, it's nuts. So as I started growing with that, um, wait, were you asking – you were asking um, – what was the question? Um, it was about the um, just the framing about the covers or right. videos, just videos, mm-hmm. period. So we did, when I started learning more about that, I ended up, with instruments it's hard because there's instruments, yeah. you know, it's not as easy as if you were just sitting down. Um, so there's movement and things, trying to capture all that energy, but at the same time have a pleasing frame. Uh, so usually what I do is I stand in front of a wood background and it's it's not too plain where it's boring, but uh, I try to go out on location whenever I can to just cool spots. So there's a shop right, there's like a shopping center by my house that has a really cool lounge area almost. So we set up there one night and just brought the lights and it turned out to be one of my favorite locations. Just sort of switching it up, and there's, like, two lights, so I try to stand right in the middle. You know, just try to make it the most symmetrical as you can. Um, and the colors, there's bricks. So I'm like, all right, let me wear a complimentary color to that. Or whoever I'm doing the video with, if I'm collabing with someone, make sure we talk about that stuff. So, yeah, I don't know, just watching other people do it better than me and just studying. That's the name of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talked about, um, some of your influences and we mm-hmm. talked about how your brother was, um, inspired you to get into, um, music. Um, but what was, what made you want to become a singer songwriter? Hmm. Um, so my dad and both my brothers played guitar and wrote songs And I was like, I don't want to play guitar or write songs. I want to play drums because I want to be different. So I started with drums and xylophone together. And I remember playing xylophone as a kid. Yeah. So I started with that. And then um, I started writing songs just naturally, I guess, because I've always sort of had it in me. I've always been sensitive. And so... Um, Those artists are. Yeah, just super in touch with that, yeah. you know. So 
I started writing songs and singing melodies to my drum beats, but it wasn't it wasn't working out, you know. So I was like, okay, maybe I should figure out an instrument where I can write chords and uh, arrange music. So I took on piano. I figured it'd be a smooth transition from xylophone to piano. So I started fiddling around with that, and I got this really old Mac dinosaur, like Macintosh computer. It's probably you could find one for like fifty bucks on eBay. And just started writing with the old school program. And then uh, when I started recording in there, I realized I couldn't play guitar when I wanted electric guitar in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I picked up guitar. And then it was just sort of a natural progression to now where I just tried honing my skills in every area so I would be able to be doing these things on YouTube, you know, mm-hmm. recording and playing instruments and. Um, writing original music, but um, I think I was just surrounded by my brother doing it mm-hmm. when I was younger that I wanted to do it myself, and ever since, I haven't stopped, so, yeah. Um, so, no question for you. So you say you were influenced by Prince and mm-hmm. the R&B um, aspect of stuff, the acoustic aspect, and then bringing the technology and the acoustic aspect to um, your music. That's like yeah. inspiring for you. Um, so how has that, over the years, um, changed your music? Yeah. Um, so when I first started... My big thing was piano. I loved piano in more rock songs with electric guitars and piano. That was my favorite music. Uh, so things like The Fray or Gavin DeGraw. And, um, I loved that combination. And as I started getting older and music started to change out of that mm-hmm. um, genre, I noticed just how much synths could be used in a creative way and just sort of create a texture rather than, you know, a synth is in the song, it's EDM, you know, it's mm-hmm. not that, it's just another tool. Mm-hmm. So recently, since I've been getting more into production with the covers and expanding my musical tastes, I've just sort of naturally progressed into experimenting with those in my own music. And it's worked out really well that's why the new songs I I think feel better Mm -hmm. Um, in my opinion even though no one has heard them with the actual (laughs) since but um, yeah I don't know as far as Prince goes Prince is just so funky sometimes Mm -hmm. and his grooves one of my favorite songs by him is A Kiss that's a good song and it's just so tight Mm -hmm. and his vocals are just in that falsetto I love falsetto and so him, I really take that aspect. I don't listen to even, I don't even listen to him all the time, but there's just certain artists that have their own flavor and special quality about them that you can't not appreciate and try to take from and learn from. And he's one of those artists for sure. There's so many people like him, um, classics, classics, but Prince is definitely one of my favorites with the, the chorus electric guitars and just the drums and the bass, how they're just mixed together. I don't know. Uh, 
And that's sort of how it developed. Interesting. Uh, so speaking on the transition. So and now we're into album making now. Mm-hmm. So what is your main goal for this album? My main goal. It's clear at this moment. Yeah, no, it is. I know it change Mm -hmm. during the process. So I have the style in mind. I have what I want it to feel like. Three cohesive songs is my goal that have the same theme and sort of same groove-esque. And so my goal with this album is to sort of redefine my identity in music. So that sounds very existential, but... It's really not. It's just sort of switching my genre, moving, crossing over to a different sound and opening for people that have that sound. Are some Like some of my favorite bands that are touring the area, I try to open for them and you know my music just isn't current enough. Uh, we tried opening for Alex Iono. Are you familiar with him? He's a YouTube cover guy. Um, but it wasn't... He was more like R&B, hip-hop, which is what I love. And uh, my my older music is more rock and pop-ish. Mm-hmm. So they just didn't mix as well. Yeah. But then another guy, we opened for a band called River Oaks at the Fillmore, mm-hmm. or, the, or the Foundry at the Fillmore. And our, our music fit well with him, but his was more... Not the style I really want to open for. Mm-hmm. You know, I want... As we're talking about our demographic, Mm -hmm. I want to switch the demographics. I want to switch the style. Um, I'm more of a soulful, kind of Mm -hmm. feel-good artist like that. So I want my music to reflect that. Mm -hmm. And my old one, I feel, doesn't. So with this new stuff, I'm really excited to have a a real band to sort of capture that energy and uh, just show everyone where I'm at now lyrically as I've matured and musically where I've also matured. So it's pretty much like um, in in a sense uh, rebranding everything Mm -hmm. that was recently uh, released. Exactly. That's pretty much what it is. So how long is this album going to be? I think it's only going to be we're shooting for three or four songs. Three or four songs, so it's more probably like an EP. 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 Yep. An album. So, um, after this, do you have any plans to create an album after doing this EP? Or do you, are you thinking, oh, let me just get this EP done, figure out um, how this, um, how successful it is, and then figure out how you um, want to balance out the album? Yeah, so, I thought about maybe even releasing these as three separate singles throughout the year so I could be releasing music consistently. I thought about releasing these as a package and then doing a Christmas holiday type thing, Um, something unique and special for the people that have sort of caught on over the summer Mm -hmm. with those new songs. So we're shooting for a summer release. And I don't know, it's sort of all being worked out at the moment so speaking on that um, is there any singles that people can listen to at the moment that you yeah. really want them to listen to 
There's some people's favorites. Actually, there's a lot, so I guess I shouldn't say that. Um, people seem to really like Settle. That's a new one. That's the first song I ever put out. Put that out in 2014. Settle, um, Alive, people like a lot. Those are my two highest ones on Apple Music and Spotify. But my personal favorites aren't either of the two. <laughs> yeah, it is funny. I like um, some of the later songs in the album. It took me about two years to put it together. So my music taste and lyrics and arranging has sort of changed throughout that, even just the last album. Mm -hmm. So it was interesting as you can sort of hear the development. It's pretty much in chronological order throughout the album. And the album's called Transitions. Which is well, fitting, well, yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. And it, it, it actually adds a cool aspect of the album. Exactly. You can tell the uh, transition in production quality, the production mm -hmm. and um, lyrical content. Right. Probably production, vocal, um, vocal yeah. um, production as well. Yeah, if you listen um, to Settle, I sound a lot younger than I do you know, by the end of the album. So it's very it's very interesting if you listen. And, and what it is is also a progression in a relationship. I think four of the eight songs are about one person, all in different times, all in chronological order. So it's it's pretty interesting with, with that too. So transitions all around, that album really is. And I, I really like it for what it is, and I really like the songs. Um... But I'm also excited, just as any artist is, putting out new stuff that they feel like, this is the best, you know, this is the best song. And I think you have to have that feeling, you know, you need to. Otherwise, you won't be strong to support it and play it live and be confident. So, um, yeah, so those are some songs off that, that album. Definitely check it out. Check out the uh, whole thing as a body of work. Mm -hmm. It's it's pretty interesting. Um. Then how we just were talking about how it's an album and how you can the name of the album fits the album all the mm -hmm. way. Um, speaking as we're in a more singles based mm -hmm. age of music, um, how do you feel about albums? Like, do you think that albums should be always consumed as a complete work? Mm -hmm. Like, because if Say if somebody was listening to music, they only picked out settle mm -hmm. or they picked out stuff like that, um, or like they listened to a song yeah. and just got into it. But they're like, I was waiting for something with bigger vocal production mm -hmm. or stuff like that. They lose an aspect of their yeah. creativity by just looking directly for a single. But oh, yeah. over the transition of the album, which is called transitions, mm -hmm. you see a transition in quality. You see a transition yeah. in vocal production. You see a transition. And arrangement and mm -hmm. all stuff like that, so they're missing out on stuff. So, um, I always say that people are losing some of the um, creative aspect of what an album is supposed to be. Yeah, because we're so single age now, especially with iTunes when it first came out. It was about oh, you can go into an album and buy just the singles that you like, mm -hmm. but the album's just on there with you only having three songs. So, you lose the whole creative message. Yeah, um, I would say. That, for example, a great example is The Life of Pablo, Kanye West's album, I think is a masterpiece. Mm -hmm. I really do. It's one of my favorite albums of all time, from top to bottom. 
But if you pick out individual songs off the album, it wouldn't impress me as much. Mm -hmm. And so I think there are certain albums that you need to listen to from start to finish to really appreciate and be impacted like the artist intended. Mm -hmm. But I think there are also songs where, for example, the Weekends album, I think those songs could have been in any order and I still would understand. Mm -hmm. And they all sort of have the same vibe and message. The, the most recent one. Mm -hmm. And so, I don't know. I think it's sort of hit or miss. And if he was here, maybe he would be mad at that comment. But mm -hmm. um, but as an example, that was that is what I would give. Mm -hmm. As far as singles go, I love singles. I love that people are staying fresh, staying new. Soprino Claudio and Khalid, for example. Mm -hmm. Khalid is putting out a bunch of singles. Mm -hmm. But I think as an identity and a representation of who you are, an album really solidifies that. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was sort of alluding to with my own stuff. It's like, that's who I am right now. I need another body of work to establish who I am now. So that's how I feel about the albums and singles debate. Mm -hmm. um, and then getting on to you talking about you and his point at this moment, um, life is all about evolution mm -hmm. as well. Um, so, um, the podcast that I was talking about when we were talking about, um, you wanting to start a podcast, yeah. which you were going to do, um, is the friend zone. Mm -hmm. So they recently had, um, songwriters on there, um, that worked with like Neo and like, she grew up with them and she was a singer. Um, mm -hmm. one of the people, her name was Francesca. She's a YouTube star as well. Her cool. name was, um, Hey Fran, Hey. Um, so if you want to check her out on YouTube, she was a singer before, but now she's like, uh, um, health and wellness person guru because um, she went through some personally um, traumatic stuff with her body so mm -hmm. that started her on this path um, but they were talking about um, gaining in the career and like you realizing your dream and what's going to happen to you when your dream comes and like how they were going through like depression and feeling like they had like um, false identity mm -hmm. because they felt like they didn't deserve it mm -hmm. um so I thought that was an interesting um, thing to hear, especially for people that are independent artists, yeah. or just artists trying to get a major deal. Mm -hmm. Now, even when you get your dream, sometimes you, that's like, I'm at my dream, I made it, but where do I go next? So it's like, so what are your, once you get to the point where you want to get to, what is your goals after that? Do you have you thought that far? Um, because it can it when you're thinking of it as a music thing and you're trying to just get all your stuff out, you it's hard to be like, yeah. oh, when I get to my dream, I have to make sure I have stuff to keep my interest to make sure I'm not yeah. confined to just one. Yeah. So what what I would say with that is, um, I was listening to an interview with. Sean Mendez, because he put out new songs, and I wanted to hear his new sound. And someone asked him that same question pretty much. Like, you've reached your dreams, like you're selling out stadiums all over the world. Where do you go from here? And he's like, well, I feel like you never fully reach where you want to go because your dream is always growing with you. And I sort of understand that. But at the same time, you know, everyone has personal goals. So um, I would say for me, when I sort of reach that point, whatever point that is, and I feel like very comfortable with where I'm at, even now, I, I would like to go back and help people 
the younger artists that are starting out. And that's sort of what we were talking about off, off the air and how I want to help younger musicians that are just starting doing it themselves get to the point that I got to with all the experience that I would have had once I make it there. Um, so that's what I would love to do. But as far as me personally with my own music, I don't even know. I guess just ride it out until people don't want to listen anymore. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, that kind of goes into um, what we, I recently was speaking about with um, who I am in the last interview that we had. Mm-hmm. About, um, it being a collective of artists and it not just being yeah. about one artist and it being about we're all trying to um, band together to make it a cohesive and we don't have to necessarily be the same genre but we have the same mindset about helping each other right um so that's one of the big things about him with um his um collective called the, the code okay um it's on instagram it's called keep the code that's the instagram if i remember correctly hopefully i got that right <laughs> um but and then that's what i want to do as well with this mm-hmm. um and it's kind of hard because I get in my head sometimes, um, especially starting this podcast and starting YouTube. It's like, and then I also want to be an artist as well, but I always get in my head as well. Um, being a performer is kind of hard because it's like you're putting, you're putting your heart and soul in something, and then it, you have to give it off to the masses, and mm-hmm. you don't know how exactly they're going to be affected yeah. by it. Some people will like it and some people don't. And then, especially with um, YouTube comments, and then mm-hmm. like, you get used to that. So I'm getting used to YouTube comments and stuff yeah. like that. Um, it's not like a whole bunch of comments because I'm still new to it. Right. Um, or just trying to um, always say artists are looking for validation, but mm-hmm. they're really looking for validation from themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's like a interesting mix because yeah. we're our own worst critics in the first place, but then we give it to other people to critique it. So if they critique it and they like it, then in essence we like it because yeah. they critiqued it. So it's about it's like exactly. that interesting dichotomy yeah. of you trying to give you trying to be all the way yourself but keeping some of it for yourself at the mm-hmm. same time. But then um, trying to have enough inner hmm, how can I say this? enough inner love for yourself and for what you created yeah. that no matter what anybody says, you know that you worked your hardest at it and you put all this effort. So to you, it's the best thing you've ever done. Mm-hmm. So... It's always interesting to go into that. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, I found that Facebook was always the worst comments. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll get much from Facebook. Maybe because it's got, I got more views. But um, but you're right. It is, it's very interesting. I haven't even thought about that. How we sort of seek validation at the same time. Even if we get insulted by something that isn't true. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of like... An insecurity in our own selves. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think sort of battling that and defeating that is all comes with it. Mm -hmm. And you grow. I definitely grew a lot thicker skin 
from working with my brother, you mm-hmm. know, because someone that you respect so much and care about is, uh, you know, criticizing a work that is a part of you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not easy, but it definitely is a, it's a growing aspect and it helps you everywhere in life. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're at a job or yeah. just sort of not an apathy, but just a confidence yeah. in yourself. Yeah. And it's very interesting. Um, and then going off the whole podcast and you were talking about the, um, what she said to me off the air was you want to do like a DIY thing for mm-hmm. like, um, do it yourself artists that are yeah. like starting off. Um, what, and then this goes into a um, question that I have. Um, what do you hope to change in the industry by doing, ne- not just necessarily the podcast um, that you want to try and do, um, but just your music overall? I would like to, well, as far as the, the podcast goes, I want to change just how hard it is to cut through everything and just how hard it is to figure everything out. There's so many bands that are doing it themselves that if they just talk to each other, they would learn so much faster. And so I just hope to be a resource for those people who are searching uh, that they find find me and my experiences and, and can learn from them. Um, as far as my music goes, a big thing for me that, that I have um, a connection to personally is mental health in music oh, and like depression and all of that. Just so many people. We talked about in that. Um, we had an interview with somebody um, on my YouTube as well, but we have a podcast as yeah. well where we talked about that. Yeah. And I mean, I think very, it's huge. It's very big, especially with people that are creative. So mm-hmm. it's very huge. So I try to be as honest as I can in that and where I'm at mentally, where I'm at emotionally, spiritually, all of those things so they can find some sort of escape and some sort of release and some sort of connection. Um, so they realize that they're not alone in feeling this way, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of my first album, like alive, I think that's why people connect with is because it's very honest and it's not about necessarily a, a relationship. I had romantic relationship. It's just about my perspective on life. Like we're struggling to stay alive and, it's, it's cool because the music is happy, but the lyrics are sort of, you know, serious. Mm-hmm. And um, I, think it's, I think it's really important. Sometimes I get messages from people that are like, hey, your songs really helped me through this time. And that's, that's what it's about. And I really hope to, even if it's just a few people, you know, even if I don't get any larger where I am now, I'll, I'll be able to sleep at night knowing that, you know, there were some people impacted from the hard work of releasing mm-hmm. that honesty and that and that music in that way. So I hope to just sort of make a bigger impact and impacting more people in that way. Okay. Last question before we take another break. So what I know it's probably gonna be a hard question for you, but I'm gonna ask it. So, who will be your dream collaborations? Okay, yeah. Um, honestly, I would give two people. One person most people probably haven't heard of. It's a guy named Bryce Avery. He's from a band called The Rocket Summer. And I'm not familiar. Yeah, growing up, 
I really idolized, I still do, I really idolized his music and who he is as a person. He plays all the instruments and he records his stuff and uh, tours and it's everything that I want to do and I strive to be. Um, so I would love, there, I posted something on my Facebook the other day. It was four years ago. It was six or four years ago, I forget. And it was literally just a screenshot of his records, and each song had a thousand plays, like over a thousand plays. And so, so I've been really impacted by him a lot. And uh, so, either him or Ryan Tedder from One Republic. He's just an amazing vocalist, amazing songwriter. Uh, that that demo of Halo is him singing because he wrote that song. And so, I would love to work with him. I just think he's an amazing talent. And so those would be my two options, my two choices. Okay, guys, so we're going to take another quick break, and then we'll be right back. All right, guys, we're back with Tyler. Um, I'm just going to get into some news stuff and some new stuff that's going on in the industry. Um, Talk about some new singles that have recently um, been out. Um, So you heard us talk about um, the new song with Sabrina and um, Khalid. I was to do as pretty much an army song, but we never told you what that song name is. Yeah. So the name of the song is Don't Let Me Down. Um, and I'm on Rolling Stone. So this is from the Fifty Shades Freed soundtrack, the um, Fifty Shades of Greg series. Um, so it's off of that soundtrack. Um, and what it says under this, like the subtitle, it says a synth laden track um, follows um, Claudio's um, Cross Your Mind from. Um, Fifty Shades Free soundtrack. So, let me see what it says. So, giving you some um, insight into what it's about. Um, the song focuses on two lovers laying out their desires and reservations, yearning for the other to invest in a relationship. Claudio begins with a vulnerable opener. Um, Do you feel me here? Give you love. Do you see me here? Opening up. She sings over a better sense. The track builds towards the chorus with light, dance hall, inspired percussion. So that's like some of the aspects of what this song is. Um, then it talks about Khalid and some of the stuff um, we recently talked about. Um, his collaboration with Normani from Fifth Harmony with um, the Love Lies um, thing. So we're talking about um, how that aspect and sound from this single transition to this single with Claudio so if you guys get a chance make sure you guys check this track out um, I'm definitely check it out after I'm done with this interview because I really wanted to hear it's it um, and Tyler said it's good mm-hmm. and we seem knowing that we now have a similar interest in yeah. R&B I think that I'm going to get off <laughs> of that basis um, then we have we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, but I just want to go into a little bit more of the aspect. Um, if my computer will work. So, it's The weekend's EP album. Yeah. EP. You know, so that kind of gets technical whenever, wherever you go. Yeah, for So, real. there's an article in Rolling Stone that's a little bit hurry up and pull up, but... <laughs> so... Let me see. So when it comes to, so like we said before, it sounds more like his older stuff mm-hmm. than his newer stuff. So do you have like a specific like 
because certain song like um Chris Brown's recent recent album was like the forty five songs. Um, people like me, in my opinion, um, it showed all of the different um, eras of his career mm-hmm. throughout, and that's why I like I really loved the album. Yeah. Um, some people didn't like understand the album. Um, and some some songs I had to admit um were not my particular favorites, but mm-hmm. I understood um because even though like Chris Brown's like one of my favorite artists ever. Um, some albums didn't hit me in certain ways that, like, um, certain albums did. Like, his first album, like, completely got me. Um, then after the whole situation with Rihanna, he released Fame. I mean, not Fame. Um, Graffiti. And I really felt like that was, um, a great album as well. But since all that stuff with him and Rihanna, people didn't, um, give it attention and stuff like that until he came up with Fame. And that was, like, a whole different version of him because now he was rapping more now he was singing and rapping at the same time mm-hmm. instead of when he first came out it was pretty much just him singing it's more um r&b based and now he's started transitioning more into pop he started doing that with forever yeah um, that album but fame um fame was a lot of pop influence it was like a lot of hip hop, R and B, and pop influence throughout that whole album. Instead of just being more R and B based, um, then you go into like some of the collaborations with him and Tyga. That's more rap and hip hop influence, and his more recent albums are like rap influence as well. Mm-hmm. But I felt like this recent album of his uh, really, like I said before, dedicated like different eras of his career. Like certain songs were more early Chris Brown. Some songs were more like later Chris Brown. There was yeah. later stuff. More um, then since he had his daughter with royalty, there's a lot of stuff that's a little bit different for what he would phrase certain things are a lot different than he would do like when he was before he had a daughter. So yeah. it's interesting to see the transition of that. Um, my reason for stating this is so what do you think what album do you think really directly relates to um, my dear Melancholy. I think um, it would be his album before Starboy. I forget which one that is. I uh, missed the one with can't I can't feel my face on it, right? Is it that album? Yeah, I forget. I, I think so. I'm looking it up right now. But the one with the hills on it, you know the one. Like the, those are just even I can't feel my face. It sort of has a dark undertone mm-hmm. and. That even the hills has a dark undertone. Um, I I think it's there's not much on Starboy that I could really compare it to as much as I would his. It was called Trilogy. Yeah, and that was just a, that was a combination of three of his um, earlier um, works. Yeah, released. They were pretty much mixtapes, I believe. I think there were three mixtapes that he just put all into an album. And that's okay. one of my favorite because he had Dirty Diana on there. Um, then Tuesday, I mean, not Tuesday, Thursday, um, which was one of my favorite songs off of that as well. Yeah. So that and his singles that he put out after that, like I would say, it's just, it's just different. It's back to that old feel. Mm-hmm. I haven't listened to a ton of them, but I've listened to enough of him to know that. 
gently. Since my computer is finally working, guys, mm. I can get into what this article is talking about. Um, so this says like an update. The weekend has unveiled his new um, six-song EP. They say EP on this, um, my dear melancholy, um, which features um, Jeff Sofelstein on two tracks. I'm not sure who that is. It was exactly produced by the weekend and Frank Dukes, um, with additional production by Daft Punk's Guy Manuel. The Human Cristo, um, Skrillex, and Mike Will made it, among others. And it's like streaming down below. Um, and then it talks about some of the promotion for this album. And it's like, um, the weekend began teasing the record um, Instagram on Instagram Wednesday, posting a screenshot of a text conversation with message should be dropped Friday. I'm indifferent, to be honest. On Thursday, the Army star shared the Austin. Wait, how do you say that? You can't read. You forget words. <laughs> Austin Civil album artwork for My Dear I'm Melancholy with the caption on tonight. Um, and then we were talking about like the dark undertones of like the hills and like certain things of that. Um, you can definitely tell by the album artwork. Oh, yeah. Um, that it fits the album all the way. 100%. It's pretty much for the album artwork, if you guys haven't seen it, it's pretty much him with him just looking straight into the camera but all around him you can hardly see his face but you see one of his eyes and it looks like his eyes like dark um like he has like a lot of dark circles on his eyes with the editing that the photographer did um for this artwork um so it reflects what the album what the ep is about yeah so again like um i was talking about before with tyler how um, certain people in the music industry doesn't, don't get enough credit. Um, when you speak about what I was just talking about with the art direction for the album cover, mm-hmm. it helps reflect what the album's going to be about. Yeah. So without um, the photographer or the artist that helped create this, you wouldn't um, have an idea of what the album might be. So it's also interesting to mm-hmm. see all the creative people that come together to create the um the brand, the yeah. image, and stuff like that, like Tyler was talking about. So we need to give people credit for what they do as well. Yeah, I love seeing the the promo before new albums dropping, mm-hmm. seeing everything switch. Even Justin Timberlake before he dropped his album, or maybe it was after, but the Super Bowl mm-hmm. performance, people were like, "Why is he dressed like that?" It's because he's his album is called Man of the Woods, so he was dressed sort of. Yeah. Like How that. do you feel about? That it was that performance for Super Bowl, okay. and then his album. I like the performance. His band is killing. His band is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a great vocalist. People were sort of mad about the Prince thing because of the, everything that Prince has said, um, which I understand. But uh, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I, I like. I think there's been better ones but you know he played his hits and he played some of the new songs and there was that meme that came out of it with the selfie yeah. kid so i mean if, like, there's anything that that good that came out of it is the selfie kid but no i thought it was solid um I'm a, I'm a fan of justin timberlake so his album was cool i think i don't think any album is going to beat the 2020 experience I don't know if you gave that 
listen through, but and I do like that album. The twenty twenty experience is I think the first half of that was my favorite. The yeah. second half kinda took me off of it a little mm-hmm. bit. There's the a part one and a part two. Yeah, the I think the first part was better for me. Yeah, I can see that. Part. It's more more your vibe, I mm-hmm. I would think. Me too. Um Part one, twenty twenty experience is an amazing album. But his new one, Man of the Woods, I liked what he did. I liked there's there's the thing about Justin Timberlake is he's not afraid to try new things and be creative. And if and if anything, whether you like the songs or not, that's something you have to respect. And I think artists like him sort of push music in a certain direction and encourage artists to to try out different things so um my overall opinion i liked it i listened to it sometimes but i listened to his other stuff yeah. even more mm-hmm. you know because there's been a lot of mixed reviews on it yeah because like, of the transition because they people have been saying it's like a really 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 far off choice musically yeah. from 2020 oh oh so, my gosh yeah it's very interesting. But it's cool. There's some songs that I still jam. I'll probably jam this summer. Very summer songs. Uh, but I'm, I'm a fan of Justin Timberlake, so I always like his music he put out. I had... We have different opinions on um, Super Bowl performance. Yeah. I was not... I didn't think that he did... Because... Before Justin Timberlake was one of the people that I thought was like a great live performer mm-hmm. but I felt like he didn't he wasn't as engaged probably in my opinion um, engaged like it, like engaged with just the choreography just the crowd just like something about his movements and just didn't yeah, seem as very calculated it just seemed very calculated mm-hmm. not as authentic it. as it used to feel mm-hmm. um so but I think that I think that has to do with just the environment. And its environment. If it was on the stage, like I've seen him perform, and it's it's natural mm-hmm. for him. But I think it must be so unique to perform to in something like that with cameras, where you have to entertain the audience that are watching, and then also the audience yeah. that's there, mm-hmm. and that must be tough. Yeah. Um. And then the whole Prince thing. Yeah. Um. You were talking about. Um, Prince doesn't like since he was religious he didn't like the um, visual effects and like the stuff like that I mean thought that was like demonic and stuff mm-hmm. like that um, but another aspect of the thing that I can bring some context into um, was you know the song I'm Bringing Sexy Back yeah that song so um, him and Prince had an argument about that whole concept about, and then Prince was like sexy's um, always been here like um, all this other stuff and then it was like a feud between them. Really? So, um, and then there was like a, a award show um, where um, Prince got an award and he accepted it for Prince. But before he um, took away the, before he said that he was going to take it away, he lowered the um, mic to, he was pretty much throwing shots at yeah. Prince and stuff like that. So it's been like a huge like feud oh, wow. from that on. So it was interesting that he, after Prince died, would... Um, try to do that, mm-hmm. and then after that, um, he had um, a concert or something like that for Prince at Paisley Park or something like that. So people have been giving him stuff for that as well. Hmm. So it's a lot of it's a lot of it's even more stuff than just yeah than just that whole thing. Though. So it goes into like, do you really respect Prince or not? Like, yeah, or are you just 
saying this stuff just to get publicity. Or that's interesting. So that's always an interesting aspect. So I've had me and Justin Blake go on and off sometimes, especially then after the whole Janet Jackson situation, he would have been over him over that too. I don't know. I don't. I don't. Not familiar with that. Um, I think. Well, this is what happened. Most people forgot about it, but um. It's when Janie Jackson performed, but she brought out Justin Timberlake, they did the song together. Um, Janie Jackson had an outfit on, um, but he ripped off one of her things, and it was like covering up her boobs, mm-hmm. then it ripped off. Um, he ripped it off, but she was never, she was blacklisted for it. Really? Yeah, and she was never allowed to perform, and that affected her sales oh for gosh. her music. So, and... He's never publicly apologized or said that it was partially his fault, mm-hmm. um, but it seemed like that was the main reason why people were so against him mm-hmm. actually being part of the Super Bowl because of that. That makes sense. Yeah. And then um, my opinion was Jane Jackson never needed Justin Timberlake for anything because mm-hmm. he was Jane Jackson. But the fact that still to this day he's never publicly apologized always didn't sit well with me and my personal respect because yeah. like she gave you an opportunity to be on the stage in the first place so <clears> you <throat> weren't mm-hmm. one of those people like now you have your own show yeah like just for you to give her the kind of respect of even asking her probably would have helped people deal with um, some of the disrespect yeah. that they felt from it so that's always an aspect and then this whole transition um I want to talk to you about this um this is a topic that even happened with Bruno Mars. The whole part of um, culture appropriation, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Not the term, but... Um, culture appropriation is pretty much um, <clears throat> where people like say R&B is pretty much like a black um, genre of music. Mm-hmm. It started off like that. Jazz started off like that. Um, rock started off like that mm-hmm. as well. Like funk and stuff like that. Yeah. Some of those like um, bundle genres, if they're predominantly um, created by a certain group of people, but somebody comes in, um, takes it, their own, orders it down, and mm-hmm. then becomes successful off of it. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then he's not alone in being called for appropriator for that. Um, like Miley Cyrus, how she was all into like the rap scene, and now she was like, um, that was like a bad period in my life when I was doing like more F- urban mm-hmm. music. Um, they have like Egg Azalea when she's like Australian, but she's trying to be um, like an African American mm-hmm. um, woman um, when she raps and stuff like that. So it goes into people coming in, taking what they want, and then leaving. And then it goes into the history of it where um, jazz, we were the creators, people that were making <clears throat> jazz popular, but then you have people. Um, come in later and mm-hmm. then the whole history is reshaped and it's that these people created it when it's the wrong history so it goes into it's the long history of the music industry yeah, I'm sure. the history of this country with racism <clears throat> and stuff like that and how stuff isn't um, correctly um, based in truth yeah. it's based on assumptions and what people tell people of course. Of just stuff like that mm-hmm. so and then how we talked about the definite um, change in direction with uh, 2020 yeah it's 2020 experience mm-hmm. and then 
what's his new um, album called? A Man of the Woods. A Man in the Woods. And how it's like, uh, so now he wants to completely isolate himself from the fans he got off by using, like, Timbaland. Mm-hmm. And using, like, the urban music. And then, like, Miley Cyrus, she, her transitioning and going back to country music and yeah. saying that it was, like, a bad period of her life when she was doing that. Mm-hmm. And then you have artists like Post Malone that said that, oh, hip-hop, if you want a story and um, something that's, like, wholesome and gives you a message about empowerment and stuff like that, but he's in the same interest, mm-hmm. industry profiting off of hip-hop fans and, hip-hop fans and the culture. So it goes into that. Yeah. So I just wanted to give you that and just talk about that mm. for a second. Do you ever feel, and speaking as, um, speaking as you are into R and B yeah. and stuff like that, it kind of goes into that aspect of true. As well. Yeah, that's interesting. I never really, um, I wasn't as knowledgeable on that mm-hmm. topic, but I think it's definitely a thing that happens and. I think there's a fine line between exploitation and uh, influence, mm-hmm. and I think some, some, a lot actually, a lot of artists and individuals sort of exploit that culture and that community mm-hmm. uh, more than they do, more than they actually are. That you know, mm-hmm. they try to be an image so they can cultivate those fans like you were saying without actually them being, you know, that as their identity. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, if we're talking about Jasmine Sullivan again, like Jasmine Sullivan is Jasmine Sullivan in that community and she will forever be. And same with Prince, same with, you know, anyone like, like them. Mm-hmm. So for me, for example, I'm not on a big stage like them and I'm able to, you know, sort of to have such big influence. But, but for me, it's sort of incorporating those, incorporating those styles into my background, you know? So I'm just getting familiar with R&B more and more within the last year and a half. So I love that music so much and I listen to it that it just becomes a natural part of the music Mm -hmm. rather than sort of trying to put on a facade. So I think it is an issue. That's, I haven't even thought of it to be an issue, but um, that's definitely something to be conscious about Mm -hmm. and and careful, I guess, too, is to not be disrespectful, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's, that's interesting. Yeah. So that's, that's another aspect of what the backlash to him being, it's, it's been a it's been a long road for <laughs> like the African American community and yeah. like, and then just seeing and then you can even um, base it with like people that are popular in R and B more it's our it's it's not our genre I hate to say that <laughs> it comes off as being like insensitive and like yeah. we can't be influenced but we created it but um, we're not. Before in the nineties, it was all us. Like mm-hmm. it was the same thing with um, hip hop and stuff like that. It was all us. Like then, like earlier, you had like Eminem. But yeah. Even the black community were like, "Oh, Eminem's one of us." Like, Eminem, yeah. Like he's like, and he's, that's the thing. He's, he's never like did things um, to ever um, make it seem like he's disassociated yep. with himself because since he's white, 
that um, he's just using this for clout. It's just who just, he is. It's just part of who he is naturally. And it's not like yep. a whole stunt. That's another um, good example. Yeah, so, um, but you have like Adele and um, Sam Smith. Um, mm-hmm. They're um, probably one of the biggest names in army music, but it could be, um, I would say it's not... Because there's so many different... It's like Neo Soul. Neo Soul mm-hmm. is not R&B. Neo Soul is a whole different like thing. And then like funk is a whole different yeah. thing from rock. Um, it's like two different like parts. It's, it's in the same genre, but it's not the same. Yeah. So like me, I would say like... Um, and even Sabrina Claudia, even though she's yeah. like very R&B influenced, I would say she's more like alternative R&B yeah. instead of like directly R&B. Yeah, it's not necessarily. So, yeah, so there's always that aspect of it too. As yeah. well. it's, it's like the dichotomy of what the sub, like the counterculture of mm-hmm. the music or the counter genre of the genre is. It's yeah. always interesting. But I always say if people just give, and then I, I think it just goes into the aspect that um, since it is a business, um, the artists are the pawns, mm-hmm. and since we are the pawns, um, the business aspect of it can create a whole bunch of confusion and a whole bunch of um, distrust between each artist, and that's why we don't have a lot of um, collectives. Like when Diddy did Bad Boy, it was like all of them together, they were fighting yeah. each, with each other, they had each other's backs, you had like um, the Rough Riders in hip-hop, um, you had like those um, new industries coming up where it was a collective. And they all banded together, and they were all a collective, and we don't have that anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just not a huge movement with that um, artist, and I no. believe it's because, and now since we have more independent um, people rising up, it's starting to come back. And yeah. Then, like how I talked with um, who I am last week about mm-hmm. his collective, about bringing people together. And cool. Again, we're talking about bringing people together, trying yeah. to make sure that people stay together and um, help each other grow instead of keeping it all for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, since it's... And then I feel that's the reason why major labels are more scared because they know that since it's in our hands, we're going to do it where everybody has a seat at yeah. the table instead of just some people at the seat at the table. Yeah. So I think like it's an interesting transition. Yeah, it is. So, do you have any thoughts about that? I know I was talking for a while. I would... Um... Yeah, I would I would say that's the one thing that's missing in the music industry is just the the teamwork behind it. I mean, each artist has a team, but I think just being open to talk and chat and spending the time to take a day out of and go to like a high school or something and talk about it and I think that's what it's about. Like it's not about the. It shouldn't be about the money. It shouldn't be. I mean, you need money to live. Yeah, you need money. But um, at the end of the day, you want to leave a legacy. Mm-hmm. And what better way to leave a legacy from than impacting the next generation? In my opinion, and you know the collectives, like you were saying, like I don't know. I think I think it could be a terrible thing or it could be a good thing depending on the true motives of the people in that collective, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but 
that that's another thing I even think about, but it's important. You know, I think it's important and could be a tool that is used to, you know, promote the others mm-hmm. and create great. I was listening to the, the who am I podcast and they were talking about the charity work he was doing. Mm-hmm. Like, that's really cool. You know, he's, he's, you know, getting his heads together with other people and putting on something for the community. That's awesome. And that's, I, I feel like we should do more. I want to do more of that. And, uh, that's, that's definitely a good point. Um, so, since we're off of that, I just have a few more questions I want to ask you, and then we'll end. Cool. So, I talked about your dream collaborations. I mm-hmm. talked about, uh, talked about your influence. I talked about, um, which, um, made you want to get into, um, being a singer, songwriter, and stuff like that. Uh, so here's going to be a hard question. Mm. I know it's going to be hard for you. But I have to ask it as well. Yes. So, from all the songs that you have created, mm-hmm. coming from you transitioning over into some of your development with all the different things that have happened over the years, what is your favorite song? Mm-hmm. I know it's hard. Yeah, it's super hard. I would, um, besides the new ones that are coming out, I would say off the last CD, which is the only songs I really have out right now, mm-hmm. um, well, I'll, I'll do two things. Off my YouTube, with all the YouTube covers, my favorite cover that I've done is a 2017 hit mashup. And so I took all the number one hits of 2017 and I made a video with xylophone and uh, a drum pad and keyboard and I just mashed it all up into three minutes. So that's that took a lot of time. I know that editing was horrible. Uh, it was it was like it was a lot, but um, people loved it and I'm really proud of that. Another thing is for original music, man. I'm most proud of, I guess I will say this, mm. I'm most proud of the song Transitions. It's actually the title track of the EP because it was so hard to get right and it had to be on there and I needed live piano so I went out and I recorded live piano and you know, doing this all on your own is so labor intensive. Mm. Um, and it's such an epic song that when you finish, when you listen to the whole CD and you get to this song, it's like, I get it. You know, it's finally there. It's, it's sort of the, the period at the end of the sentence. And, um, it was so much work that to listen back and listen is about five minutes. And so to listen to everything that I put into it, just so I could sit there and be like, wow, this is you know, let me take a moment and appreciate, you know, what I've done and be proud of it. And that's definitely a song that I'm really proud of putting out. I don't think it's the catchiest, mm-hmm. but I think is definitely one of my favorites that I've done as far as work goes. Um, speaking and then speaking on the editing process mm-hmm. for that video. Um, so we're both doing videos. I usually use... Um, 
I haven't got a chance to buy Final Cut Pro, but did you use Final Cut Pro for this? For that, I actually used Premiere, Premiere. Adobe Premiere. I used to use Final Cut, but I found Premiere has more options for editing, for coloring, and uh, you can export in better quality and things like that. So, But um, what, what made that video hard was it was actually a single shot, and I had all the instruments set up, so I had to perform it like perfect. Mm -hmm. So every time I would get to, you know, I... I, there was one part in the video where I threw my stick up and I caught it and I would drop it like midway and not have to start all over, you know? So it was, uh, it was, it was long and, but after it's like, okay, that was, that was kind of impressive, you know? So I, I like, uh, sort of challenging myself to incorporate, see how all these number one songs can actually fit into an interesting mashup. I like doing mashups a lot. Um, so some ending stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, do you have any live performances coming up, and are you doing any internships? I am, I don't have anything lined up. Well, tonight I'm playing at Stockton. Stockton. But yeah, I'm playing at Stockton, and then <laughs> I'm playing at Asbury Park uh, in April or May, so you, you'd be able to find me all those dates on my Facebook and my social media accounts. Uh, those are my live performances. Okay. Um, do you have any internships? Internships? Um, I'm actually interning with my brother's business. So he has a, a brand development no, company. Yeah, so I'll be I'll be working with him. And I still need to find my Is Yeah, it's not easy. Yeah, so that's what I'll be doing. I'll be doing a lot of social media stuff. That's great. That's going to help you out for your social media mm -hmm. as well. So that's always good. Yeah. Um, but I think that's all I have for you today. All right, great. I really want to thank you for being here and letting me interview you. Um, I hope everything was comfortable for you. Yeah, I had a great time. Okay, that's great for me here. Um, so do you just want to give out your social media and yep. stuff like that for everybody to listen to? And yeah. Just give them some more um, music that you would like them to listen to. So you can find me on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, all the social media accounts at Tyler Sarfert, and that's T-Y-L-E-R-S-A-R-F-E-R-T. On everything, you just type that in, and on Spotify and Apple Music, and everywhere else, I'll have my album transitions that we were talking about today. And in the next couple of months, you'll hear that great new music that I have been so diligently working on. And uh, I know you'll like it. So come out to a show and come say hi. I'm more than willing to talk, which is why I like podcasts, because I like talking. So, um, yeah, thanks for listening. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Um Please figure out um, some local artists around your area and support them, guys, especially if they're independent. Um, they need your help. They need your um, help to promote them. If they're good artists, help them get the um, amount of respect that they deserve. Um, and welcome to the Wavelength, as always. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye, guys.